When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everyone, and welcome to our Tuesday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast, the Hey Mary Kay edition of the podcast. Dan Lobby with Mary Kay Cabot, our football insider subscribers with questions for Mary Kay, and let's get right to it. Very timely here, Mike in Columbus. So just to give a little background, Kevin Stefanski in his Monday Zoom with the media uh, was asked about why Miles Garrett was held out of the first series of the game on Saturday, and Kevin said it was a team issue. It was his decision. So... Mike in Columbus asks, Hey, Mary Kay, do you have any insight on Kevin Stefanski's explanation on Miles' absence on the first series against the Saints? He seemed to imply a disciplinary reason. Yeah, it it was a disciplinary reason. And it was similar to what uh, Grant Delpit uh, did. Now, Grant only missed one play in Miami against the Dolphins. Miles missed three plays. He missed the whole series. And, you know, who knows if the series had gone on more than three plays, maybe he would have missed seven plays, eight plays, nine plays. Not really sure about that. It seemed like uh, the the plan there was to keep him off the field for the series. So, uh, you know, we'll probably find out a little bit more later in the week about that. But um, but yeah, he did something wrong. We don't know what it was, but I was thinking about this earlier today as I was rewriting the story. I mean, Miles was not benched after flipping his Porsche, despite the fact that he was speeding at that time. Uh, And he sort of self-reported his MPH that day. And I think he put it about 20 miles over the speed limit or so. Um, And this was about his, whatever, seventh, eighth speeding citation. And he didn't get benched for that. So I don't know what this was, but... In my mind, if you're late to a team meeting, that's not as bad as what happened in September. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I think you're right about that. Uh, Miles missed that Atlanta game, but you're right; he was not benched when when he came back. Um, it, it'll be interesting to kind of see where this goes over the next week. We'll we'll kind of figure this out a little bit, I think. Um, but. It was surprising. Now, I know it's it's taken on kind of a life of its own on Twitter. I know there's people who are saying, well, how can you bench your star defensive end, you know, for a series in a must-win game and uh, questioning Kevin Stefanski. I mean, the Saints gained seven yards on that series, and they punted after three plays. So I, I guess there's a there's an argument to be made, like, is this sort of discipline effective? Like, are, you know, are players going to look at this as like, uh, okay, whatever. This is like a college discipline. I guess there's that discussion, but I, I don't think this idea of like, oh, this was egregious that Kevin would bench a, a player in a must-win game. I, I I don't know. That doesn't fly with me. What about you? No, I'm not looking at it like that at all. If anything, I think it shows, and I led my rewrite with the fact that it shows that he's not playing favorites. I mean, there are times when a star player can get away with things that other players cannot get away with, and whatever he did... Uh, 
you know, whatever he did to tick off Kevin Stefanski, Kevin did not let it slide. He disciplined him and he sat him down. And the fact that he's Miles Garrett uh, didn't prevent him from doing so. So I, I thought that was good. I thought I think that sends the right message to the team that you have to follow the rules, no matter whether you're a starter, a newly minted four time pro bowler or you, you just got called up from the practice squad. So that was the thing that stood out to me about it. Yeah. I mean, if, if you're a guy like Perry on Winfrey, who's <clears throat> had, had his issues this year and of course was, uh, was suspended for a game by the team um, and, and said, I can't remember what game that was exactly, but you know, if you're Perry on Winfrey and stuff like that is happening and then miles kind of, again, we don't know exactly what this was about yet as, as we're recording this, but you know, Miles kind of, they they let things slide with Miles. You know, I could see you looking at that and saying, like, "Come on, this has to be." I understand Miles Garrett is Miles Garrett, but there has to be discipline across the board. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, I, I thought that was good. I thought he was uh, making a statement there. Uh, Kevin Stefanski was again. I I actually think that Miles should have been disciplined in some way that people could see or understand after what happened in September. Maybe everyone was just so grateful that he was alive, but uh, I still think that that was, um, you know, just out there not doing the right thing at that time. So, um, and, and it did it. I mean, it hurt the team. So yeah, I was, I was kind of surprised about this, but, um, but again, I think it's good that, that Kevin did what he had to do and we'll see what Miles has to say about it. Now we probably won't talk. We usually don't talk to Miles until Friday, so we have to wait a long time, probably, uh, to figure out exactly what it was that he did. But, um, but yeah, it was uh, you know a little bit of news on a Monday here. Yeah, we don't always get news from Kevin on, on Mondays. The other side of this, real quick, and, and there were a lot of questions about Kevin Stefanski that we're going to get to. Um, but the other side of this is. It, it is a little disconcerting that whatever whatever Miles did to merit a suspension, that, you know, one of the leaders of your team, you know, a guy who has talked about the importance of playing the spoiler and finishing this season out. It is a little, I, I guess you hate to see a situation where something like this happens, where he has to be disciplined. Yes, absolutely, 100%. You don't want to see it, especially because... Uh, he is someone that, as we know, told his mentee, Perry on Winfrey, earlier in the season that he has to mature. He has to learn how to be a professional. So you can't have your star player being benched for the first series of essentially a must-win game, uh, you know, and, and not being out there to help your team. I mean, what if, you know, what if he could have gotten a strip sack on that first play? And so, I mean, you just never know, right? I mean, you don't know. If you if you if something like that happens and then you go in and you score, then you might win the game. So, you know, you never you never really know how that goes down. But um, but yeah, so he'll hopefully he will explain it and we'll have a better understanding of it. Um, but certainly not what you want from your team leader. All right, Terry in Clemson, South Carolina. Hey, Mary Kay, I am very worried about the Browns offensive thinking. On Saturday, they were outcoached, as in several other games, when it was obvious passing was not the way to win the game. Uh, how how can Browns fans have any trust that this will improve in the future? I think they're gonna, going to have to go back and really 
reevaluate all of those games in which we all kind of looked out there and thought, you know, why are you zigging when you should be zagging? Why are you passing when you should be running? There were a number of games like that. And I'm all for being aggressive. I'm all for being creative. I'm all for going for it most of the time on, on fourth down, fourth and short. Uh, in the right situations, I don't usually have a problem with, the, you know, going for sevens instead of threes. I understand the concept of trying to, you know, score as many points as you can and get out in front of the situation. Uh, but I think there were enough games where we all kind of looked out there and thought, wait a minute, you know, this isn't exactly what the game calls for here. And that's just offensively. I mean, defensively, it's just, it's a whole different story. I mean, there were adjustments that that seem to not have gotten done at halftime and those sorts of things. So I think it all has to really be scrutinized and looked at very thoroughly in the offseason. And if Kevin Stefanski is being too aggressive in certain situations, I think they need to look at that. I think they need to look at, you know, are you running enough for the conditions or for the situation just because now you're a pass-oriented team and you have this quarterback with great arm talent, do you necessarily have to use it when it's minus 16 wind chills and 30 mile an hour wind gusts and six degrees and and whatnot? I mean, even though he could throw a bullet or a dart, you know, it might've felt like uh, a brick coming in, right? I mean, if that's happening, you know, he probably just had to put enough on the ball that it was probably hard to catch, right? It probably was hard to catch in those conditions, especially with, you know, cold, frozen hands, I'm sure. Um, so, you know, I think you really do have to look at each one of these losses and evaluate it for what it was worth and and examine the play calling. And if they think that it needs to be tweaked, it needs to be overhauled, then then so be it. Because you can't go through games like this next year where you're kind of scratching your head and thinking, why did that look like that when the obvious thing could have happened. Yeah, and, you know, like the two Amari Cooper plays that, that stand out, and obviously Amari had a really good game on Saturday, and the two connected a, a number of times on, on big plays, but the one where he slips, and, and that would have been a touchdown, you know, it's bad luck, but also, is it that surprising that a guy slipped trying to change directions, you know, on that field and, and the conditions you had? Um, and then the other one, there was the deep ball where, if Deshaun hits him, that's a touchdown. You can see, I went back and watched it, and Amari said after the game, the, the wind took the ball. Mm-hmm. It kind of wobbles out of Deshaun's hands and then just takes off. Mm-hmm. And it ends up being an overthrow. You know, those are things that you you at least have to consider. Like when you're playing in those conditions, weird things like that can happen. And like you said, that, that football can be really tough to catch when it's, you know, negative 20 wind chills. Yeah, I mean, even though you can throw it and Deshaun sort of figured out how to throw it, you still have to be able to catch it. And in those conditions, it's going to be really hard. And as you mentioned, uh, the wind was giving the ball a mind of its own and you didn't know what was going to happen with it. So there were certain certain situations, including like the fourth and two, uh, the deep ball uh, to Donovan Peoples-Jones. I mean, there were certain situations like that where you had to wonder if – Maybe Deshaun Watson hanging onto the ball and, and running it a little bit more in a few of those situations might not have been more prudent. So, yeah, these are all things that I think that they should make cut-ups 
of every single one of these losses and ask themselves and analyze what did they do in that game? What could they have done differently? And how do they not repeat these mistakes next season? And if there is an issue with Kevin Stefanski's play calling in any way, shape or form, then he needs to get some help. Okay. I mean, he needs to get some help and uh, maybe they don't have to have a new play caller, but maybe there needs to be a little bit more collaboration in a different way. I know there's collaboration now, uh, but maybe it needs to be tweaked a little bit somehow. Um, we, we were looking at a clip this morning where uh, Mike McDaniels was saying uh, to the other people in the headset, Hey, uh, tell, tell me if I'm, I'm crazy or whatever. He said, you maybe you remember it better than I do, but he was saying, you know, tell me if I'm crazy. I'm planning on passing every play on this series. Right. Maybe there needs to be more of that. Again, I know there is collaboration with Kevin and his offensive staff, but you know, maybe maybe they need to speak up a little bit more if they see something that they think is a little off. Yeah, and uh, yeah, you, you got that right. The the clip that um, Ashley sent to us actually a TikTok clip of, of Mike McDaniel, and I, I mean, there have been times, and this is why I think it, it can be a little frustrating. I remember that Pittsburgh game on Thursday night. This, I mean, this year when the Browns came out in one series and they just decided we're going to run the ball. Like mm-hmm. uh, maybe Kevin in the headset was like, "Hey, call me crazy, but I'm going to run the ball on every series." And remember that was when um, was it Yelda who was the fullback, or you know they did some weird stuff with their offensive linemen, and they ran the ball I think on ten of eleven plays in that series, mm-hmm. and. You know, that was something that I think at some point against the Saints, because this is kind of what the Saints did. Like, okay, why don't you just go out there and say, this series, we're, we're just running it right at you. You know, you mm-hmm. have to stop Nick Chubb now. And I, th- I think there were some opportunities for that where, you know, Nick didn't get going on every drive, but I think there were a couple drives where he kind of got going a little bit and then they went away from him. Yeah. And, you know, why not use more of your runners? I mean, why not? I mean, you've got, a lot of like really good runners on the team. And you could have tried perhaps uh, a jet sweep or an end around or something like that. And we did ask Kevin about that today and he didn't think that the game conditions called for anything like that. Uh, but I think there might've been ways to accomplish the run, whether it would have been via Deshaun or what about, you know, bring some, bringing somebody fresh in there, like, Jerome Ford or Dearness Johnson, right? I mean, was Dearness active or no? I forget. Yes, I, I think he was active. I'll double check. I'm fairly certain he was, though. So if Dearness was active, we've seen Dearness make some nice hay in a football game. So, you know, he can go out there and, and play in those kinds of conditions. And it was kind of obvious that for whatever reason, they were on to Kareem in that game, right? And it might have just been the, you know, the down and distance where it was going to be obvious what was going to be happening there. Um, but, you know, why not change it up a little bit with one of those other guys and see if they might have something to offer on a day where, where Kareem was having a, a rough time. So I still think that there were, you know, 31 passes by Deshaun compared to 31 runs for Kareem and Nick combined, just seemed, I don't know, it just seemed a little off for what was 
going on down at the stadium on that particular day. And the Saints took full advantage of of running the ball. Now, of course, the Browns are very run defense challenged. They're down to smoke and mirrors at linebacker. Uh, but I, it still does seem like the Browns could have run the ball a little bit more in certain situations. Yeah, and, you know, the Saints were – I mean, look, if you asked me right now who started at that game for a receiver for the Saints – I sat there and watched the whole game and I couldn't tell you. So the, the Browns are certainly cha- have, have had some challenges at linebacker and have had some injury issues, but the saints are coming in with a skeleton crew at, at receiver for the most part. So um, it was, it was a little disappointing on that side of the ball too, that, that they weren't able to kind of step up and, and stop things. So this kind of continues this discussion, Tom from Middlebury, uh, Connecticut. Hey, Mary Kay. At what point does Kevin Stefanski's grace period end? He seems like a nice guy. We all want him to be the answer. But what has he done to deserve the unshakable faith the front office seems to have? Well, I think the grace period would end uh, by a quarter into next season if things aren't going the way that they should be going, because there will be no excuse. There will be no excuse. They have their offensive line intact. They'll have Nick Chubb. They'll have their running game. They'll have their receivers. They should add at least one more really good one. They'll they'll have their Pro Bowl caliber tight end, their Pro Bowl caliber wide receiver in Amari Cooper. Uh, so there will be no excuse, especially offensively, for not getting off to a hot start. So I think you you know you kind of give it about a quarter of the season, and if it's not going well, then you have to figure some things out, whether it's changing up the play calling or doing something, but you cannot let this thing get off track early next year. And of course, some of it will be uh, defensively. They, they've got to be able to, they've got to learn how to stop the run and they've got to get those t- takeaways early on. You can't wait until the end of the season to, to start punching the ball out and getting those interceptions and, and those kinds of things. But, um, but they, they are not going to have long to wait. And why? Because they already basically wasted this season. They wasted one of Deshaun Watson's five years at $46 million a year. It's a lot of money to waste and throw out the window. So they can't waste another $46 million and another season of his career. They have to make the playoffs next year. I think they should have made the playoffs this year. I still don't think there's any excuse for them not to make the playoffs this year. They should have been able to win 10 games somehow, some way. They, they should be able to beat the Saints at home, regardless of what the conditions are. The conditions should have favored the Browns. Those conditions should have favored the Browns. I, I just I just don't think there's any excuse for what we're seeing right now. I, I agree. I, I don't think there there's any free passes this year just because you didn't mm-hmm. have Deshaun. And like you said, you got to beat the Saints. Like this was Deshaun's fourth game. Like mm-hmm. the, the 700 days excuse is it wanes by the week. So like, I mean, this was mm-hmm. your fourth game with Deshaun Watson. I know the conditions stunk. I actually thought Deshaun did play. I know the numbers weren't great. Um, I, I thought I, I still think we're seeing really good progress from him. I thought that two minute drive at the end was really encouraging. A couple of guys just didn't make plays at the end of it, but yeah, this team shouldn't get a pass. There's too much talent. And I, I mean, I was just thinking about this today. That's not just us saying that there's this talent they have paid a lot of guys like they are top top level talent so they obviously believe those guys are really talented too 
Yeah, and I mean, I think the the defense was certainly good enough to help this team get to the playoffs this year, and the defense underachieved. And there were a lot of injuries, but we've seen other teams have a lot of injuries and and still play good team defense. And they just they just didn't. I mean, they just did not this year. And I think some guys probably aren't being used exactly the way that they should be, perhaps. I mean, maybe they're not being able to allowed to play to their strengths or maximize their talents and abilities. That all has to be looked at in the offseason. And they should listen to the players. They should really dig in and talk to their players and hear what they have to say and encourage them to talk. And I, I know they probably think that they're doing that, but they need to do it more. They really do. They need to, they need to sit down with some of their best players uh, in those exit interviews, and they need to say, lay it all out and tell it like it is. And don't worry about, uh, you know, who, who's, what the repercussions are going to be. Just tell us what you think about how things went, how you were used, how you were coached, how the scheme was. Uh, I, I think they need to have some difficult, some very difficult conversations in the off season. And, and by the way, I think it's also worth noting that Baltimore is in the playoffs and they've, they haven't had Lamar Jackson for a little while mm-hmm. now. They won a game with Tyler Huntley on Sunday against a team that was Saturday. I, I still am saying Sunday instead of Saturday. Mm-hmm. Uh, they won a game with Tyler Huntley, a team that against a team that beat the Browns. Um, you know, they've, they don't have any receivers, uh, so, you know, they keep they keep finding ways to win. It's not always pretty. Mm-hmm. The, the Steelers, you know, their records, their records not great, but they're still in the playoff hunt because they did what they needed to do on Saturday night. And mm-hmm. they beat a team that's probably better than the Saints. And it was ugly. And they've got Kenny Pickett somehow playing decent at quarterback for them. And they're figuring out ways to win. And they're playing a really meaningful game this week against the Ravens. So, you know, the Browns could have been doing that too. The Browns could have put themselves in a position where these last two games really mean something and they didn't do it. And I think, you know, like we've said, they just don't, they can't get a pass for that. They, they can't get a pass for losing this year. No, they can't. And even when they knew that Deshaun was going to go out for 11 games, I mean, they could have gone out and gotten a Jimmy Garoppolo or tried to otherwise figure out how to play winning football. And I don't think it um, I don't think they anticipated that the defense was going to be as bad as it was and that the special teams were going to be as bad as they have been um, and that the turnover differential was going to be bad every week. But um, you know, you, you've got to find a way. you you have to find a way. you can't and I don't think they did throw in the towel. I don't think so at all. When they found out that Deshaun was going to be out for 11 games and suspended for 11 games, I don't think it was, oh, okay, well, now we're just going to worry about 2023. No, you can't do that. You can't afford to do that. And they didn't do that. That wasn't the plan. The plan was to still make the playoffs, and they failed. And I agree 100% with Miles Garrett. The season was a failure. To have that many pro bowlers, to have that many high draft picks, to have that many expensive free agents on your football team and not be able to contend for the playoffs, at least all the way up until the end, something is not right with this football team. It's not right. And they should have won that game. They should have beaten the Saints. They should have beaten the Falcons. They should have beaten the Jets. I mean, they should be going to the playoffs this year. 
And and just, you know, with the Deshaun thing, I know that suspension maybe ended up being longer than they expected. But even that, like, there was good reporting in June that the NFL wanted a year. Mm-hmm. And the CBA is right there for everybody to read. You know, the NFL has, con- has they control the, the appeals process. So even if you kind of thought, well, the best Sue Robinson can do is maybe four to six games, you still, unless you just had your head in the sand, had to think like, uh, this could still end up being a long suspension because the NFL has control. And, you know, you've you've brought this up again and again. They didn't start giving Jacoby those first team reps until the middle of August, really. Right. And that was a mistake. I mean, you had to put all your eggs in that basket and make sure that he had everything that he needed uh, to get that job done in those first 11 games and not rest on your laurels and think, oh, we've got the easiest schedule in the NFL for the first four games of the season. I mean, he had to be ready to hit the ground running. I never thought that they had enough quality receivers, at least experienced enough receivers to start the season with, right? I mean, you thought David Bell was going to come around and be a good receiver, but he wasn't going to be that yet, not in the first two or three, four or five games. So I I don't think that they had enough going for them in that regard. Um, I, I just think, I don't know. I just, I think that there were mistakes all along the way that have them here uh, with an embarrassing record, all this money, all this talent, and they have six victories right now. It's just inexcusable. And we just, and we just talked about earlier, they could go into next year. <laughs> I mean, you said that leash on, on Kevin um, might not be real long going into next year, which is not a, not necessarily a great environment to be working in. Uh, okay. Let's take a break. Uh, there's some more Kevin Stefanski questions we want to get to and some other questions from our football insider subscribers as well here on the Hey Mary Kay edition of the orange and Brown talk podcast. Welcome back to the orange and Brown talk podcast, the Hey Mary Kay edition uh, real quick before we get to part two here, uh, we had a little bit of an issue with the very beginning of this part. So the question and a little bit of Mary Kay's answer gets cut off, but just to get you caught up, the question was about if there's any value to Alex Van Pelt calling plays over the final two games since the Browns are now out of the playoff hunt to essentially see what he could do with Deshaun Watson. So we're going to pick up in the middle of that discussion, Mary Kay and I discussing whether it would be worth Alex Van Pelt taking over play calling, why it may or may not make sense. So here we go. I mean, this is sort of the biggest thing, right? Like Kevin and Deshaun, that's that's kind of what these last now six games um obviously they were still in the playoff hunt for a few of them but that's sort of what this has still always been about is like you want to make sure that these two guys know each other well that they get used to each other and yeah i, I think i think it's interesting you know if you want to try something and maybe if you're considering making that change in the off season maybe giving avp a game but um, if, if this is really all about just making sure that when you come back in the spring you're not starting from zero you're starting from whatever, some number higher than zero, um, then that, that's kind of what these games are about. Yeah, and if, if AVP comes back and he's here again uh, with Kevin, and right now we don't have any indication that, that he won't be. I mean, if he wasn't, it, it would be because he got another job, I would think. Um, but if they come back together, you know, you could always see how the first quarter of the season goes and then – make a decision to make a change at some point during the season. But I don't think you want to do it again heading into the season because then you can't reverse it. You can't take the play calling back from Alex Van Pelt or whoever. 
uh, I think Kevin has to head into it, call the plays, see how it goes, be armed with all the information that he needs, all the strategy that he needs um, to showcase Deshaun Watson's skills and talents and try to come out of the gate really, really strong. And if that doesn't go well, then you pivot and you go from there. All right, a roster question here from Dan in D.C. Hey, Mary Kay, before the season, there was talk among many that this might be the best roster this team has had since 1999. Does that assumption still hold up? You know what? I I think so. I mean, I really think so, you know, man for man. Now, they've had a lot of injuries on defense. So if you had all your guys out there healthy the whole time, I think it would be easier to make that evaluation. Uh, and I think there are some missing parts on, on offense. Um, again, I keep coming back to the, the receiver piece, and I, I don't think the organization agrees with me at all. I mean, maybe they, maybe they still will go out and get another Pro Bowl receiver or two, uh, but I don't think they've looked at it like, oh, that's been a problem this year, but I do. Um, so, for, but yes, I think for the most part, all across the board, uh, you'd have to say that this is about the talented roster since most talented roster since 1999. I, I think it's hard to make an argument otherwise. And, and this, this goes back kind of to that, that point I made earlier. Like this isn't just us saying that, you know, Miles Garrett is one of the highest paid defensive ends. Um, they've extended Denzel Ward that they've extended almost the entire offensive line, three to five. Um, they've extended Nick Chubb. Kareem Hunt got an extension at one point, <laughs> you know, like Deshaun Watson has the richest contract, richest guaranteed contract in NFL history. I mean, you just, you can just kind of, you know, Amari Cooper's a $20 million a year guy and they went out and got him. You just kind of go up and down the roster. They clearly believe John Johnson. These guys are worth paying a lot of money. Yeah. They're, they are making a lot of money across the board. They've added, as you mentioned, those high priced free agents, all of the extensions. I mean, this is it. I really think that this roster for 2022 was, you know, their, I, I always call it their prize pig. I mean, this was the roster that they built to go to the Super Bowl. It's in its prime, right? I mean, this is the roster in its, in its prime. And they thought that some of those young guys were really going to step up into their roles and just make a tremendous impact this season. And it didn't happen. Maybe some of them were another year away from that. You know, JOK got off to a little bit of a slower start. Jordan Elliott, Jacob Phillips. I mean, you know, they didn't exactly jump off the screen or the page in week one or week two. As the season went along, they started to get better and stronger. Uh, but they weren't quite, you know, ready for prime time in week one or week two. Uh, but for the most part, I think it is the best roster. And I think if they bring it back mostly intact, uh, that this should be a contending football team next year. Yeah, I mean, I didn't even mention David Njoku. I mean, I'm sure there's other guys that have gotten paid uh, that, that I'm yeah. leaving out. Um, the, the receiver thing that you mentioned is is really important. I'm curious to see how that plays out because I think there's, you know, you're hoping to get answers on Anthony Schwartz and you don't have them. Mm-hmm. I really like David Bell. I don't know how I'd feel about coming back with David Bell as like the guy in the slot. So I'm... I, I wonder what their philosophy is going to be this offseason if they continue to sort of try to put young guys in positions where they can succeed or if they go out and like, I really want them to sign like a real slot receiver. So they go out and they sign somebody and say, all right, David, you can still compete, 
but we're not just going to hand this to you. You know, you've, you've, you want to be our slot receiver. You got to go win it. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, I think he's a good piece to the puzzle and getting better. I really do. But once again, you know, some of these young guys, they need a little seasoning. They need a little time. He should be much better next year when his head is not swimming and he, the game sort of sinks into his brain over the off season and you come back and you're just that much wiser and that much better in your second season. And you make that 25% jump or whatever they want you to make. But I think they need a, that speedy, fast, get the ball in his hands. You know, um, I mean, there, there aren't many Tyreek Hills running around, but I mean, somebody along those lines, that speedy, shifty, fast, uh, you know, just, get slot, get the ball in the hands and, and off you go. So, um, you know, I mean, DPJ, we know what his strength is. He's big. He wins the contested catch. You know, you can hit him downfield on the sidelines. He's going to go up. He's going to get it. Uh, you know, we, we know exactly what Amari is. David is going to be a good slot receiver, but I still think they need that other piece, right? That Tyreek Hill can't miss uh, speedster because they don't have Anthony Schwartz right now. I don't think you can count on him as a key piece to the puzzle next year because he didn't demonstrate that this year that he could handle the job. So if he can handle the job, that's a bonus and good for them if he comes through. But I don't think you can go into next season counting on him as a key piece. And therefore, I think you need to add some speed. And if you got that speed from the sort of the slot position too, I mean, maybe you're going to, find a multi-purpose weapon there that leads into this question from bob in cincinnati hey mary Kay. in 2023 will the browns spend to the cap and not save money like they have been in past years i don't know where they're at right now i can look that up but they they have a lot of cap space left and you know i i think a lot of that is they want to kind of be able to continue to roll some of this stuff over but well, do you think they'll spend more and maybe save less cap space this offseason than they have in the past? Well, I would have to study that a little bit because you probably have some big contracts coming through next season. And even though right now I think they have the most cap space in the NFL at this very moment, because if you recall, they reduced a number of big, huge salaries this year, Deshaun's, Amari's down to like a very small amount of money. But those big paydays are going to be coming due very soon. And I think starting next year, you're going to have some big double-digit salaries that you're going to be paying. And I don't know that you're going to have a bunch of extra money left over. So they might have to um, restructure some contracts. You know, maybe you sit down with John Johnson 3 and go over his you know, his performance, his role, you know, talk to him about, you know, let's rework this a little bit. Let's bring that number down a little bit. Let's give ourselves a little bit of cap relief. Let's give you a little bit more upfront money. You know, I mean, maybe you mess around with a guy like that a little bit um, and maybe some others, but, um, but I don't think there's going to be a ton of extra money laying around. No. So they have uh, somewhere they do have the most cap space. Uh, left right now. Now, Spotrack is projecting them to have, where was it here? 3.7 million um, as of right now for 2023, but I don't think that counts rolling over that 32. 
So they would end up right. somewhere in the in the neighborhood of thirty five million, which is not as much money as it sounds like <laughs> when you go into free agency. That right. that thirty five million goes fast. Uh, but yeah, you're right. That's sort of where you know you start. I'm sure there's a way to restructure Deshaun's contract, right? I mean, we see that with, you know Patrick Mahomes had his contract restructured within a year mm-hmm. of signing it. So um, mm-hmm. you know they'll they'll start digging into these contracts and finding money you know, Joel's contract and even Miles contract, they'll, if these guys are willing to sit down and do it and get, you know, more money right away, they'll, they'll start digging in there and and finding ways to do it because we see, I mean, how many times were the New Orleans Saints just in cap hell? And when they had Drew Brees, they were able to sit down and figure it out and, and make sure that they were able to keep guys or bring guys in. So there's, there's a way to do it. Yeah. And the cap is going up. uh, So, you know, so that will, that will help them as well. Um, but yeah, there's a way to do it. And if there is anybody that can do it, it is this front office. These are the brilliant capologists. They know how to play the shell game. They know how to move the pennies around. They know how to do this and they will do it. And, you know, like, I think they should bring back to and Clowney. I know a lot of people don't agree with me on that, but I think he's got plenty enough left in the tank. He knows the system. Miles Garrett likes playing with them. He wants to play with Deshaun Watson. And even though, you know, he did not have the year that people expected and he is sort of a little bit injury prone at times, I still think he's worth bringing back. So you'd want to come up with some kind of an incentive laden contract for him. Um, at running back, you probably won't be paying as much as you did this year because I think Kareem Hunt will be let go and then you don't have to pay Jerome Ford as much as you had to pay Kareem Hunt made $6.25 million this year, which is a lot for a running back, a lot for a number two running back. Um, you know, I think they can take some other guys and and rework their deals and and come up with some money because they need to they need to add some pieces to this team and they don't have a first round pick. So you're gonna have to find other ways to accomplish that. All right, let's do one more question here. And I'm always really bad at these because I lose track of, of the numbers I've thrown out there. But uh, hey, Mary Kay, if you were to break down the Browns' problems this year by percentage of front office, uh, coaching, they they separate coaching and head coaching. I'm going to put those all in one thing. So front office, coaching, players, and injuries, how would you rate them? That's from Dan in Chattanooga. So again, that's front office, coaching, players, and injuries. Well, you know what? I'm going to give them each 25%. I'm going to split it evenly amongst those groups because when you look at the front office, there are things they didn't do. Uh, you know, they, they didn't address the run game enough or they overestimated how some of those young guys were going to fare. Um, so they didn't really invest enough in defensive tackles or whatever the case may be there. Um, again, I think they left themselves at least one receiver short. And then, um, and then when you look at the coaching staff, uh, we've talked about this a number of times, there were just situations where they did not make the adjustments at halftime or in game, whether it be offensively or defensively. Um, and, and I just, there were times where we were left scratching our heads about why something was happening in one game or another. Um, and then injuries were a huge factor, especially I think defensively, uh, losing all those linebackers and other guys on that defense for chunks of the season did not help matters at all. And then, um, and then the players themselves, I mean, there were just, 
times where the players themselves just didn't seem to be on the same page or they were making mental errors or they wouldn't, were not playing up to their capabilities or maybe they didn't put enough into studying the game or whatever the case may be, but you have to put at least 25% on them. And I think even John Johnson would put more on the players. Every time I ask him about, you know, players, coach, scheme, he always says, it's a player's league. We have to go out there and execute the game plan. We have to go out and make the play. We have to go get the interception. We have to go punch the ball out. So at least 25% has to go to the players and maybe more. And they started to come on strong at the end with some of those takeaways defensively, but they have to hit the ground running with those next year. And everyone has to dig a little bit deeper starting a little bit sooner. And, and Miles has sort of been saying that too um, when we've talked to him and, and Joe Woods has come up. He's kind of put it on the players too. So yes. see, you did it the easy way. That's why you're better at this than I am. I always say, well, I do 22% on this and then 38% <laughs> on this. And you just 25% to all. So see, you, you kept it simple and I, I always overcomplicate it, but I, I think that's fair. I, I think it kind of just falls across the board. And I do think, Look, when you lose all your linebackers, I you know, I don't care who you are. That's really difficult. And that's not that's mm-hmm. not the like the excuse, that's not the reason necessarily, but it is a part it's a pretty big part of the equation when you go through like three middle linebackers over the course of a season and you're starting a guy that you acquired in October, uh, you know, in in the middle of that defense in some of these games. Yeah, and you know, and and Joe Woods in the early part of the season was taking so much heat uh, for what was going on defensively, but he had to dial things back because when he was installing the game plan, players were making mental errors. I mean, they were going out there and blowing coverages and missing assignments. So he did have to dial it back in the early going of the season. Now, was that his fault? I mean, was he just, was that bad coaching or was it the player's weren't up to the task, right? Were they not up to the task? And now they are, as the season has gone along, the lights have come on a little more. Did they put too much onto the plate of some of the younger guys? You know, I mean, it's, it's hard to tell, but I mean, Joe Woods could very well take the fall for the defensive performance this season. I think that we can all agree that he will be looked at and scrutinized very thoroughly and heavily in the offseason. And I won't, I wouldn't be surprised if he's not back. I wouldn't be surprised if Mike Prefer is not back. I don't know if that's the case, but that's what happens in these situations. When you look at a unit and you see that it did not live up to expectations, heads do sometimes roll. And the reality is this kind of just goes back to what we talked about earlier. This is your second straight year where you're going to have a losing season and, and you came up short of expectations. It's hard to just kind of turn around and run it back after all of it for really mm-hmm. – it would be the fourth straight year, but the first year was after they made the playoffs for, for kind of another another disappointing season to, to run it back again. That's just really that's really difficult to do, and that's a tough sell to uh, to your owners and and your fans. I think so. Somebody somewhere in this organization is probably going to have to pay for this. And and there were some questions just to, just to put this out there. There were questions about Kevin Stefanski's future, and you've said this over and over again. So our podcast listeners have heard this, but Ke- Kevin is not going anywhere. Right. But you know what? I will ask this. I, you know, I'll actually, is there anything that can happen in the last two games that would change that, that would change Kevin not going anywhere? You know what? I don't think so. I really don't think so. I think Kevin's job is safe. I do not think that they would pull the plug on him. Uh, 
when he's only had, like I said, four really good, solid, reasonable games with Deshaun Watson. When you hear Deshaun Watson say that Kevin Stefanski was a reason that he came here, that's important. I'm telling you, they listen to what their star quarterback wants. Okay. So if he likes Kevin and feels like Kevin is the right person for him and that they can work together, and he just told us that last week, then I think that that is very significant. So, no, I don't think there's anything that can happen in these last two weeks that is going to change that. If that does happen, I will be shocked. And, you know, I've been shocked before. I have been shocked before where you just don't see something coming. But at this moment, I do not see that coming at all. Yeah, this organization will surprise you. That's, <laughs> <laughs> that's for sure. But uh, right now, it, it doesn't feel like like that change will, will happen. Okay, that'll do it for this edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast, the Hey Mary Kay edition of the podcast. Those questions came from our football insider subscribers, cleveland.com slash browns, uh, the blue banner at the top of the page to get subscribed for that newsletter that comes to your inbox every single day. Uh, I actually wrote the, the newsletter here on Tuesdays. You're listening to this. So uh, one of us writes that every day. So that's part of it. Uh, you can become one of our texters and you can uh, also get access to exclusive stories on cleveland.com slash browns. So just make sure you're subscribed to the Orange and Brown Talk podcast on Spotify, on Apple, and check out Cleveland Browns on cleveland.com on YouTube. If you search that, uh, you'll get videos from practices. We do stand-ups every day from practice, and also our podcast goes up on that YouTube channel as well. Again, that's Cleveland Browns on cleveland.com on YouTube. Just search that and you'll find it. Mary Kay, I'll talk to you later. Sounds great.